Uh, as Dave said, we're carrying on our sermon series this morning uh, on how we share our faith. And I wonder if, uh, if P's and G's were to hold a night uh, training you uh, in how to share your faith, what do you think we would do? What do you think we would tell you? I am uh, willing to, to wager, to place a bet uh, that you would expect us uh, to teach you something called apologetics. Uh, now, uh, apologetics is a slightly clunky, strange, unusual word, uh, but essentially uh, it means that people out there have lots and lots of questions and criticisms about faith, uh, and we as the church need to be equipped to answer them. Uh, so someone might say, how can you believe in God when there's so much suffering in the world? Uh, or how can you believe in God when uh, science has disproved the need for him? Or how can you believe in God when there's no evidence for him? And apologetics is a, a perfectly valid way of sharing our faith. There are lots of people with questions out there about uh, God and faith and Jesus, and we need to be able to offer uh, reasoned and reasonable explanations for faith. Uh, but often uh, in the uh, church in the UK, we've allowed apologetics, this kind of question and answer style of sharing our faith, to be the only way that we engage people with Jesus. Uh, we allow that to become uh, our only way of sharing faith and talking with Jesus at the cost uh, of loads of the other ways that we get to talk about Jesus as well. Uh, this morning we're going to talk about uh, sharing our story. Uh, sharing our story is a means for sharing faith. Now, now lots of people have questions about Jesus and as the church we need to be able to answer them but often when we allow ourselves to get stuck up uh, in an apologetics Q&A style of sharing faith uh, we can turn ourselves into two different sides. Uh, apologetics can be polarising because it's about me having all of the answers, me having the knowledge, uh, and you having all of the questions. It can mean that uh, I have to defend my faith uh, and you get to attack it. Uh, it can mean that we stand in opposition of each other. Uh, have you ever been in a, a fight with someone, um, a, a verbal fight, not a physical fight, uh, and you, um, you find yourself talking maybe with a, a friend, a family member, a spouse, uh, and you've been rowing for about half an hour. Uh, and after uh, the time's gone, you, you suddenly realise that you're completely wrong, but you're too proud to admit it because you don't want to lose the fight. Have you ever been in that kind of situation? Uh, where actually uh, winning the fight has become more important uh, than working out who's right and who's wrong and what the truth of the matter is. Uh, when we uh, share our faith using only apologetics, uh, sometimes it can turn into uh, being right uh, rather than trying to work out together what's true. Uh, apologetics can be very unequal because uh, I'm clever and you're ignorant, I'm right and you're wrong, uh, and there's no discussion between us. It's about one attacking and the other defending. Uh, it can turn God into a product to defend. Uh, we can become God's case for the defense if our only way of sharing faith is through apologetics. Uh, we can go from uh, sitting side by side to across the table. Uh, but if we learn how to tell people about Jesus through telling our story, uh, through sharing our story, uh, the ways in which Jesus has met with us and changed us, the way that he's shaping the way that we think and engage with the world, we go from uh, facing people uh, front on uh, and sitting across the table to now we're sitting alongside them. Uh, it's no longer about uh, me having all the answers and you having all the questions or me being right and you being wrong, uh, but we get to share our stories behind what we believe. Uh, everyone, whether they God or don't believe in God has a story, a reason for belief as two equal people. There's no need to defend or attack, but instead for us to start to share our stories. 
Uh, it's less about a front-on discussion and now we both get uh, to look out and view things and try and work out uh, where God is in the world. We get to share stories. Uh, we get to listen as well as talk. It's less about us and about how skilled we are at arguing and more about the kind of experiences that we've had and the kind of experiences that people that we're talking to have had as well. Uh, within the church, we can get really caught up in giving the right answers, but I think when we look at Jesus, uh, we see a man who's not actually that concerned with the right answers a lot of the time. Uh, within much uh, of the Gospels, people come to Jesus with questions uh, because they want to know what he thinks. Jesus, will you tell us what you think about this issue or that issue or another issue? But uh, Jesus often doesn't give a straight answer. Uh, people will come to Jesus with a question and he'll ask them another question or they'll uh, come to him with a question and he'll tell them a story. He'll tell them a story about a pearl or a mustard seed or a harvest or a, a son running home to his father. Jesus doesn't often give uh, the clear cut and dried answers that we wish he would give a lot of the time. Uh, sharing faith isn't so much about uh, back and forth about argument as it is about sharing our stories. The Green family had some uh, significant news on Tuesday morning. My, uh, my sister woke up at four o'clock. I don't know if that's normal for her, but her reason for waking up uh, definitely wasn't. At uh, four o'clock on Tuesday morning, uh, she went into labor. Now, she, um, she went into labor and tried sleeping for another three or four hours, which apparently is quite difficult when you're in labor. Apparently that's not easy. Uh, but she, um, she tried to just kind of keep it cool, keep it calm, keep it collected for another four hours. Uh, and then uh, her husband David decided it was time for everyone to go to the hospital. So they, uh, she got in the car and they drove to High Wycombe General Hospital. They turfed her out at the other end uh, and they went to the maternity ward. And they were there for about an hour and a half, two hours before they decided that she wasn't ready to give birth yet. So David put her back in the car like a box or something um, and drove her back home. And they, they went home to watch Cash in the Attic and... Uh, DIY or SOS and the kind of tat that people watch on TV during the day. Um, and then at about four o'clock or so, uh, they went back to hospital. Uh, half seven uh, on Thursday night, uh, Reuben Samuel uh, Jackson was born. We've got a picture of him. Isn't he beautiful? He's six pounds, ten ounces of bawling, screaming joy. We, um, my mum and dad got in the car and they uh, rushed uh, to visit him as quickly as they could. And then my brother went round on Thursday night. Uh, me and Alice uh, Skyped Cat uh, and David and Reuben on Friday morning. Uh, and we got them to kind of hold him up for the camera so we could see. Uh, and we got them to put a, a Panasonic remote control next to him for scale. Uh, Reuben is uh, two Panasonic remote controls long. So if, if you have one of those at home, then you too can know how big the baby is and how long it is. But he is absolutely beautiful. He's, um, the first, uh, he's the first kind of this generation of greens to have an offspring. Uh, so we are, we are absolutely in love with Reuben. We think he's the most beautiful thing. On Tuesday morning, I'm going to get on a train and I'm going to hold uh, Reuben barely seven days after he was born. I can't wait. Uh, when, we, uh, when we tell stories, uh, the stories that we tell create emotions. Uh, sometimes they're really uh, happy emotions. Maybe seeing uh, a small baby boy fills you with that kind of ah feeling. Uh, maybe it uh, conjures up emotions that are a bit more difficult, that are a bit harder. 
Uh, stories create an emotional response in the people that are listening to them, whether they're uh, positive emotions or more difficult ones. Uh, when we share stories about who we are, about uh, what um, affects the way that we think about our faith, we create room for an emotional response from people. Uh, we stop going down the purely logical, uh, these are the facts for faith, and we start to tap into the emotional reality. Uh, when we share stories, people have an emotional response to them. Uh, we create a room for someone to go, ah, that reminds me of the time when. Or uh, it was a little bit similar for me when I was talking about uh, my sister's labour. Uh, maybe you have a friend who's been uh, pregnant and given birth, or maybe you have, or maybe you have a grandchild. Uh, and that reminded you of the time where uh, someone you know went into labour. Uh, and it conjured up all kinds of different stories. And if we'd been talking over coffee, you would have shared those stories with me as well. Uh, when we share stories, we create room for a, a back and forth that isn't about right and wrong, but it's about shared experience. It creates a spark, a connection. Uh, all of your faces kind of softened when I started telling the story. Uh, you all kind of leaned in a little bit because people love to hear stories. Uh, sharing faith uh, is much more about sharing stories than it is about dictating to people what's right and what's wrong. It's about creating a space for faith to be shared and discussed. So what's your story? What's your story? What, what's your story of faith? Often when we say that, we just assume that all we really mean is our testimony, the moment that we came to faith. And that's a really good story to tell. It's really good to know how to articulate that in language that's uh, easy and accessible for everyone to understand. But uh, your story is about just more than that. Uh, your story is about uh, how you uh, trust in Jesus when you're taking the kids to school. It's about your every day. It's about your normal life as well. Uh, our lives aren't just full of uh, Hollywood blockbuster moments, uh, but our life is much more about the mundane every day. So how do you find Jesus in the mundane every day? Or what's God saying to you at the moment when you read your Bible? What's, uh, what's intriguing you? What's fascinating you? Uh, those kind of things are interesting to people. And when we start to talk about them and make it part of our everyday discussions with people, uh, we open a space for people to share faith and talk about Jesus. Uh, but Jesus isn't just uh, a fantastic storyteller. Uh, Jesus doesn't just listen to stories well, but Jesus enters into people's stories. Jesus isn't just a, a master storyteller. He doesn't just listen well to people, but Jesus enters into stories. Uh, our passage this morning uh, shows Jesus entering into someone's story. Uh, and when Jesus enters into this story, uh, he starts to point the way to a different way of living. Uh, the narrative this woman has for her life, the direction she assumes that it's going, Jesus starts to point and show her there could be a different way, there's an alternative for you. Uh, Jesus is uh, travelling through Samaria, and Samaria and Israel have a slightly checkered history, they have a slightly checkered past. Uh, Israel were uh, once inhabiting the land, uh, and the Babylonians defeated them and enslaved them uh, and took them over to Babylonia, uh, where they were enslaved for uh, years and years and years. And then eventually the Israelites were free, they were released, uh, and they went back to Israel, to their homeland, the place, uh, the promised land where they knew they were meant to be. But when they got there, they discovered that the Samaritans had taken that land for themselves. And uh, when they met the Samaritans, they realised not only were the Samaritans in their land, but they were taking their identity. Uh, the Samaritans were saying that they were Abraham's true descendants, uh, which is the way that the Israelites would define themselves and recognise themselves as who they are. Uh, imagine uh, you, uh, you left home for, for weeks and weeks and months and months only to come home and find someone, uh, not just living in your living room, uh, but claiming to be you. 
They were uh, using your bank card. They were calling your parents. They were doing all the kinds of things that you would do. Uh, And they don't recognize uh, the Israelites' rights to the land. They don't recognize the Israelites' claim to be who they are. And so there's a big fight. Uh, And the Israelites uh, kind of settle around the Samaritans. Uh, And now whenever an Israelite wants to um, go north uh, to the place they need to be, uh, they have to travel around Samaria because they don't want to get into a fight. I don't want there to be any conflict or any bloodshed, so they travel around Samaria. Uh, Jesus travels through it. And he doesn't just travel through it, but he sits down at a well in it. He stops to rest. Uh, And as Jesus stops to rest in a country he shouldn't be in, a woman approaches and Jesus talks to her. Jesus talks to a woman that he doesn't know. Now, to us, that's not in any way scandalous. You might talk to people you don't know all the time, but uh, in the first century Israel, if you were a Jew within that culture and custom, you do not talk to women that you don't know. You do not talk to women that you don't know. And so Jesus is breaking all of the customs and all of the rules, uh, all of the things that Jewish society would tell him that he shouldn't do. Jesus breaks through all of those rules. But Jesus isn't just in a a place that he shouldn't be, talking to a woman he shouldn't be talking. Will you get me a drink of water? Will you get me a drink of water? Now, uh, at this point in the story, we don't know loads about this woman's history. We don't know much about who she is. That comes later in the story. Uh, But we, we do know that this woman is an outcast from Samaritan society because she's arriving at the well in the middle of the day. She's arriving at the well in the middle of the day, which is uh, something that you wouldn't do through choice. Uh, We know that she's been uh, cast out of Samaritan society and she's trying to keep herself safe by doing things at times that other people wouldn't do them, like going to the well in the hottest part of the day. If she goes to the well in the hottest part of the day, that means she has to carry water back through the heat to her home. Uh, This woman is an outcast. She would have been considered impure and unholy. Uh, Now, in Jewish culture, there's lots and lots of concern about how I can stay pure and holy uh, and protect myself from the impure and unholy world. Uh, There was loads of systems and rules invented and created uh, with the sole purpose of keeping me clean and pure so that the impure world wouldn't affect me. Jesus is asking an impure, unholy woman for a cup of water. He's inviting this woman to dip her cup into the well and give him a drink. If Jesus drinks from that impure, unholy woman's cup, then he too will become impure and unholy. Uh, A bit like uh, passing on a cold or the flu, uh, they believed that holiness and unholiness were infectious. Uh, If Jesus drinks from this impure, unholy woman's impure, unholy cup, then he will become impure and unholy and have to separate himself from Jewish society. He'll have to separate himself from the culture that he lives in. The woman recognises that Jesus can't do this, that this isn't allowed, and so says, "Uh, you can't do that, that's not fair, you're not allowed to do that. And Jesus responds, uh, and he says, "Uh, woman, if you knew who I was, uh, woman, if you knew who I was, then it would be you asking me for a drink of water, not the other way around. You would be asking me for living water. I need to find my place in my notes. One second. Amuse yourselves. Discuss Leicester City's back four. Been fantastic all season. Uh, Jesus says that uh, whoever drinks the water he's offering will never thirst again. 
Uh, and they, they talk for a little bit longer. And uh, Jesus tells her about her five previous husbands. It turns out the reason that she's going to the well in the middle of the day uh, is because she's an adulterer. She's had five previous husbands and now she's taken a lover for herself. Uh, that's why she's unacceptable uh, to Samaritan society. Uh, and as part of their exchange, she suddenly recognizes who Jesus is. She suddenly recognizes that he's the Messiah, that he's the one who's been sent to save, the, save all the nations. And she runs back and tells her town. She runs back and tells her village. Uh, Jesus uh, enters into her story. He takes the time to understand who she is and what's going on. And he doesn't just uh, enter into it for his own benefit, but he subtly pushes back at every aspect of it. He pushes back at every aspect of her story. Do you know that we all have stories that we tell ourselves? Uh, we all have uh, narratives that we use to define our lives. And Jesus is uh, understanding the narrative that this woman uses to define her life. Uh, she goes to the well in the middle of the day uh, because she shouldn't be around people because she's been rejected. The narrative she uses to define her life is that she's rejected, uh, that she's unworthy and unclean, that she's unacceptable. Uh, we all tell ourselves stories. Maybe the story that you uh, filter your world through is that uh, you'll never quite be good enough. Uh, that you'll uh, never quite achieve what you need to achieve, that you have to always win, that you'll always be uh, angry, that you'll always make mistakes. Uh, what's the story that you use to define your life, that you use to filter the way you view society through uh, and the way people will treat you and how your life will go? Uh, Jesus recognizes the story that this woman tells herself and he starts to push back at it. Uh, she's trying to separate herself from society by going to the well in the middle of the day. Jesus chooses to travel through Samaria. I don't think Jesus is doing that by mistake. I don't think Jesus is accidentally traveling through Samaria and accidentally stops at this well, but I think Jesus knows exactly what he's doing here. Uh, this woman goes to the well and Jesus wants to meet her. Uh, she's separating herself from society uh, and Jesus pursues her. Uh, he tries to pull her back into the community. Uh, this woman knows that uh, she's not worth speaking to, that she should be ignored and rejected, but Jesus opens up a conversation with her and tries to put value and worth on her. Uh, she thinks that she's uh, unclean and unholy and unacceptable, and Jesus says, will you give me a drink? In other words, I'm not scared of how you view yourself. Uh, you might think that you're unholy and unacceptable, but uh, that doesn't need to affect who I am. I'm, I'm holy. I'm the Son of God. I'm the Messiah. I can make you clean. Uh, she's an outcast, so she would have viewed herself as being at the bottom of society, the lowest of the low. Uh, who gets the privilege of introducing Jesus to all of Samaria? Who gets that privilege but this woman? Uh, the woman who was the lowest person in Samaria is suddenly elevated to the highest. You see, Jesus enters into her story and he pushes back at it. He says the way that you view yourself doesn't have to be true anymore. It doesn't have to uh, be the clothes that you wear. You don't have to think that you're unacceptable anymore because I accept you. Uh, you don't have to make yourself a scapegoat because I'm bringing you home. Uh, you don't have to view yourself as unholy and unworthy because I can make you holy and worthy. Uh, you don't have to think that you're the lowest of society because I'm elevating you to the highest point. Uh, you'll be the one who brings Jesus to your community. There's no greater honor than doing that. Do you know the people's stories around you? Uh, do you know the ways that they view themselves? Have you taken the time to get to know them and build a relationship with them so that you can subtly push back at them? Uh, so when your friend says, oh, I'm always angry, you can say, what would it mean for you to be full of peace? 
What would it mean for you not to define yourself by your anger, but instead to be known as someone who carries a peace and a calm about them? So when your friend says, oh, my life always seems to go wrong. I never seem to achieve what I want to achieve. In that moment, you can say, oh, you don't need to achieve anything. You don't need to be marked by what you're good at and what you're bad at, because I know and I trust in a God who's full of grace and hope. He's not worried about your performance and your achievement. If we enter into people's stories, we get to subtly push back at them and remind them of another story. Uh, We get to enter into their story and point them to Jesus, point them to a different way of being, a different way of engaging, a different way of viewing and defining their worlds. Uh, They get to encounter Jesus. This woman's life is changed forever because she encounters Jesus and Jesus points her to a different way to live. Uh, and as uh, we get to enter into other people's stories and point them to Jesus, Jesus wants to enter into our stories as well this morning. Jesus wants to transform and redeem and shape every aspect of our story, every aspect of the way that we view ourselves, the way we make our decisions, the way we engage in relationships with people. I wonder what the story is that you use to tell uh, your life, the way that, um, a story that gives you shape and that you assume that's the way that things will always be. Maybe it's uh, that you're always angry. Maybe it's you feel like you have to achieve and perform or else no one will like you. Maybe uh, it's about uh, striving or always making mistakes or things always going wrong. Whatever the story is uh, that you've chosen to believe this morning, Jesus wants to enter into it and point you to a different one. And as Jesus points you to a different one, you encounter the risen son. Uh, You encounter the risen son who tells you there's a better story and a better way of living. He wants to transform and restore uh, every way that you engage with society in this world. So as we uh, share our faith, uh, people have reasonable questions and we need to be able to give them reasonable answers. And that's part of the package and that's part of the story. But uh, another part of it uh, is learning to tell our stories, learning to share our faith, not in a back and forth, right and wrong, but in a, this is my experience. This is what I believe. This is what Jesus is uh, saying to me and how it's changing and shaping the way that I live. And as we do that, we create a space between us. There's a connection, there's a spark. Uh, We engage people's emotions, not just the logical parts of their brains. And we create a room for them to say, ah, well, actually, I believe this, or that reminds me of a time when. And it uh, becomes an equal conversation, not about uh, answers and objections, not about right and wrong anymore, but about the two of us starting to work things out and shape things together. But uh, just like Jesus, who was the master storyteller and listened to people's stories, we don't just uh, listen and tell stories, but we get to enter into stories. We get to point people to a different way of being. We get to point people to a different way of thinking and listening and understanding and engaging with the worlds. Uh, And when we do that, we see people come to faith, uh, not because they met with a good argument, but because they've encountered the risen son. This morning, what's the part of your story you need to invite Jesus into again? Uh, What's the area of your life where uh, you've presumed that's the way that things have to be? That's the story you always tell yourself when something goes wrong. That's the line that you use to define your life that Jesus wants you to be free from. Amen.